Welcome to episode 101 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who has read through my Galatians commentary more recently than I have, mm-hmm. John Scott Sloat. And got his copy first. <laughs> I suppose I suppose that is fitting in that sense. Yeah. But not yeah. really. But I, I finally did get my author's copies. So Copies? Yeah, yeah I get ten. Okay. Okay. I they finally ten. came in the mail. They did. Nice. Nice. They did. So it's always a fun moment to unbox it. Okay. Yeah. Now you keep a like a little shelf into your house of your published works, or your wife probably curates that, I imagine. It's a team effort. Okay. Has it been added? Yeah, of course. Okay. Very nice. Of course. Yeah. How's it how's it look? It looks good. I, I I think in terms of the aesthetics of the actual cover and everything, I think this might be the most attractive book that I've published. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you to rank them when we interview you about your books later. <laughs> okay, I was going to well, ask you to rank we, your most attractive books. We can get to books. that later. Yeah. Yeah, I got to be careful. I don't want to offend any of the publishers. Well, so. just pick the dissertation and, you know, those, those guys don't speak English, so we're good. You there know. you go. There you go. German publishers. Um, so what's going on with you, John Sloat? I mean, we're last week of the semester here on campus. Yeah. Covered me verbs uh, this morning, all of them uh, for for Greek, which one of the things I like is they do put up charts in the book of like mm-hmm. how frequent the present of the me verb is. Yeah. It's just not that frequent. Aorist is much more frequent. And so we, we – Dove a little deeper on the heiress than maybe the present. Um, okay. Which, which I think is a helpful piece of this new textbook we're using. And did you get a steady diet of eye rolls, of eyes rolling back up into the, uh, no, into the person's that was, head? No, that was probably uh, participles is when I got most of that. Now I just have uh, sullen defeat on their face. <laughs> like like they are just done. Yeah. They have just lost. Um, they, they are surrendering. Yeah. So they've got a review Wednesday and then the final exam Friday. Yes. Yes. Okay. Final exam on Friday. Yeah. I'm sure they're eager for that to be open. But they're all freaking out. Um, But they're all excellent students. They'll they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that. If you would like to contact the show, there are multiple ways to do this. You can find us on Twitter at V&SPod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on both Facebook and on YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. And, you know, perhaps in light of the fact we just had our 100th episode, that might move someone to want to write a review. Glowing review, congratulatory review. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been a hot minute since uh, we've had – Someone write a review. Yeah, Danny in Ohio, I think, was the last one. Yeah, yeah, back in August, I think. That is a long time. Um, question. What is New Testament doing right now for the end of the semester? Understanding the New Testament? Yes, mean, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So it's a Wednesday-Friday class, so that means uh, we only have one more class session before the final, and that's Revelation. Okay. And you answer everybody's questions? Yeah, I sort it out. I give them a very detailed outline of how it's all going to shake out at okay. the end. Yeah. Okay. Charts and maps included. It's, Charts, timelines. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. 
Yeah, down, down. I, I even throw some dates in there as well. Wow. So now I hear that you take it from weeks to days to hours um, in your charts. Is that is that? I do. Yeah. yeah that's, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to be specific where I can. Okay. Fascinating. Yes. So um, now, of course, those notes won't ever be published until after <laughs> I die. So you know, um, that's part of the that'll become part of the apocryphal works of of Matt Harmon. So, question for you as. Um, uh, a professor of great renown. <laughs> that's that's a stretch, but let's let's roll with it for the so, sake of the question. Uh, we we were interacting with uh, a friend of the pod might be a strong term, friend of yours, uh, uh, Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was telling us about an old Dallas professor who basically had his notes destroyed when he died. Yes, that's true. Um, what's your plan? <laughs> <laughs> is this something you've given much thought to? Well, I, I, I trust that this will not be an issue for several decades. Is yeah, my, I, is I, I assume hope. so. I mean, but I imagine, have you given thought, attention to this? Minimal. Minimal. I, I can't envision myself saying burn it all. Okay. I, just, I just can't envision myself doing that. It'd be like burning Alexandria, you know, the Library of Alexandria <laughs> or something, you know? I, I just don't see myself going that route. Um, what I would probably envision is trying to, um, in advance, maybe, uh, indicate if there's any specific things I'd like published and maybe things not, mm-hmm. um, and entrust that to maybe a former student or a colleague or someone who, uh, could take care of that. It's almost like you need an executor of your of your notes. Yeah, you know, you know, like yeah. you have an executor of the will. This this person's job mm-hmm. is to execute your desires. Yeah, you needed an executor of scholarship. Yeah, yeah, to carry it out. I mean, there's a well known New Testament professor who is rather old, mm-hmm. getting up there, and um, I, I know that he has insisted that his unpublished notes are not to be. Published after he dies. Really? Yeah. Would this would this person be in Chicago? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's disappointing. Disappointing. Indeed. Yeah. That, I yeah. mean, that's quite disappointing. Yeah. There's there, there's going to be a huge treasure trove of notes. I won't publish it. I just want them. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. That's that's disappointing. So. In any case, up up to the prof. So there you go. Yeah. But so you ready to talk about some sports here? I think so. I, I yeah. mean, that was a bit of a gut punch there, you know? <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's talk some sports. Although sports don't get much better. No, not for you or me, really. I mean, your Jets lost to the Eagles this weekend. Yeah. And they scored on the first three drives and then did not score the rest of the game. Uh, missed two extra points also. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not a great recipe. No, no. Uh, that's the opposite of excellence. Whatever the opposite of excellence is, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did your favorite Mormon play? Um, two touchdowns in the first quarter. Okay. And I think 150 yards in the first quarter, but finished with 200 yards total. All right. And so clearly, inter- clearly the Eagles figured something out. Yes, or or he could have stayed disciplined and hit the check down receiver for the rest of the game. You know, so, something went awry. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, 
I I didn't get to see that. That was an out of market game. Neither of us. I, I assume you didn't get to see that. No, I didn't either. see it. Um, I did see. Um, trying to think what games I watched. Did you see the uh, the Ravens Steelers game? I watched the first half of that. Yeah. Okay. That was a that was a good competitive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ravens scored a touchdown uh, with like twelve seconds left. And instead of going for the extra point to tie it, decided to go for two and didn't get it. Ooh. And um, it was a play where it was a it was a great play call. And uh, Pittsburgh managed to get enough pressure on Lamar Jackson that his pass to uh, Mark Andrews in the flat was just out of his reach. Mm. If it had been on target, he'd have walked in. So uh, that was huge for Pittsburgh's playoff hopes. They yeah, were, they've they've sort of been middling uh this year. They were 5-5 five, five and 1 coming in. Okay. So and the team that they tied was the Detroit Lions, who won their first game in forever. Yeah, uh beat uh beat the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, that uh that did not make Barnabas Piper very happy, as you can understand. Uh it made very few <laughs> Vikings fans happy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they're stuck with Kirk Cousins, and until he leaves, I just think, yeah, right, right. Like, probably. like I just think they're stuck under that contract. And but I don't know that he's the the biggest problem you've got there, is it? I don't know. I don't pay close enough I, attention to the Vikings. I don't either. The color palette might be a problem. I don't know. Not a big purple fan. No, me either. Although, although I did like it when they had the well, I like the name Purple People Eaters. Right, that, that was, was a great nickname yeah. for their defense back in the like seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that I saw them. <laughs> but. Yes, before you were even a glimmer in your parents' eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, on to the college football scene. It was uh, conference championship weekend. The Probably the biggest story was uh, Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC championship Thumping. game. Yeah, convincingly. Um, and then Michigan won the Big Ten. Cincinnati won their conference as well. So that's that, that's your final four in the playoff. Bama at one, Michigan at two, Georgia at three, and Cincinnati at four. Who are you rooting for in that? The apocalypse. <laughs> 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 I mean, honestly, if I have to pick a team out of that, I'll, I'll pick Cincinnati. Yeah, that's who I'm picking. I, I mean, that's who I want to win. That's not who I think will yeah. win. Yeah. So I, I think I'm still just a little bitter that if an Auburn running back goes down in inbounds, Auburn or Auburn beats Alabama and then Bama doesn't get in. I think yeah. even beating Georgia, I don't know that they get in with two losses. Maybe mm-hmm. they would have. I don't know. In any case, the other bowl announcements were made uh, of local interest to me. Ohio State will play Utah, the Pac-12 champ. In the Rose Bowl, so kind of the traditional yeah. Big Ten, Pac-12 matchup. And then uh, Notre Dame plays Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. And Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, Notre Dame got a new coach. They did. They promoted their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State player. Okay. As is Luke Fickle, coach of University of Cincinnati. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was selfishly hoping that um, – that Ohio State would go out and just throw a dump truck load of money at Marcus Freeman to get him to be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Obviously, once Brian Kelly left, 
Um, and he was in the running for the head coach job. I knew that was not going to happen. So that was yeah. a bit of a disappointment there. But um, let's see here. And then uh, trying to think. Oh, I mean, there's just, it's just been a weird. It's been a weird sports. Uh, just a weird week. college football yeah. week. A uh, couple weeks with Brian Kelly going to Louisiana State. Oh, yeah. The coaching shuffle started started probably the day we dropped the pod last week, wasn't it? So it's we knew that Lincoln Riley had left yep, yep. Oklahoma to go to USC. But that was the only one. But that was the only one we knew. And then after we recorded, that's when um, it's it all of the Brian Kelly to LSU stuff started. Do you see some of that stuff where he's – it got announced in sports media before he told his team. Yes. And then he sends them a text to meet at 7 a.m. Yeah. First of all, college students don't like meeting at that hour. I don't care what I don't care what sport they're yeah. a part of. Yeah, come on. They don't like meeting seven eight. And then he talked to them for two minutes. Yeah, which I agree. There's no good way to say goodbye there. I saw nope. an interview with him about it, and he goes, "You know what? Honestly, there's just no good way to do that." Yeah, and that's true. Um, and so um, get out of there quick is a strategy. Have you but. seen people crushing him for his sort of like southern accent when he 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 spoke at a. Uh, at an LSU basketball game like the day after he was officially hired. You know, pumping up the crowd yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And in that, he kind of does this like pseudo kind of southern accent. He was born in Massachusetts. Yeah. And then but, he's – But he does – like he's from the bayou. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's getting crushed for that. And then the, um, the other piece of the carousel that's now – in place is um, Oklahoma hired Brett Venables, who's been the defensive coordinator at Clemson for like a decade plus. Oh. So that'll be interesting to see uh, how that works out. Moving to the SEC. Yes. Though that's still a couple years away. Is that a couple years away? I, so. Yeah, it's it's still a couple years away. So interesting. It's going to be weird to talk about those, those states that I, I think rightly think that's the middle of America. Yeah, Oklahoma, Southeastern Conference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but conference alignment has long ago left yes, pure geography. Mhm. I mean, um when you look at some of the schools, I mean, really Rutgers the, and Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. And what are they doing in the Big 10? I mean, Nebraska's an easier case to make. Mm-hmm. Rutgers, Maryland? Yep. Nah. So, um, one note on college basketball, I'll throw this in there. I only follow it loosely at this stage, but uh, Ohio State beat number one Duke this past week. Um, and what's, what's Ohio State ranked? They were not ranked at the time. Okay. They probably will be. They are now ranked 21st. Okay. So they jumped back into the rankings. Um, they were trailing by 13 at the half, came back and, oh. uh, and won by five or so, five or six, something like that. So good win for them. That'll help. That's one of those wins that come March when the selection committee is looking at seeding. That will be a very helpful. Oh, yeah. Very helpful win there. Uh, Tell us what's going on in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So um, starting December 3rd, I think they started uh, lockout. Uh, So players and owners um, can't agree on a collective bargaining agreement. Uh, but it's sort of the, the feeling in the air and, and as I read more and more, it seems to be that uh, this is just a matter of time. 
Like, mm-hmm. no one wants to miss games in February, and they'll come to a deal sometime between now and probably February 1st. Okay. And uh, do you have a sense of what – I don't know what the issues are. What are they really arguing over? Uh I mean, it's millionaires arguing with billionaires to a certain extent, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just who gets what and how much yeah. of what. Um, it seemed like all the players were signing early uh, in free agency, which isn't normally the case. Normally, everybody <laughs> signs in the new year uh, when, when they want to sign. So I wonder if that tips the scales as to like, oh, the owners are going to come out on top or, you know, yeah. and players are trying to get, get theirs before they, uh, before they lose it all. There so, you go. but uh, but we'll see. They've uh, players have gone dark, so they've all disappeared. In fact, all of them have changed their profile picture on Twitter to just like blank faces, basically, like the blank avatar kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, they're all okay. Disappearing. Yeah, it's um, they they benefit from the fact that there's so much else going on in the sports mm-hmm. world that they can still sort of fly under the radar before they really are in under any pressure. Um, but typically you're right. F- February 1st is kind of the like when you get pitchers and catchers starting to yep. report. Yeah. So between February 1st and February 10th, I think. And then by the 15th, 20th, everybody's reported. Okay. Um, I, I do think like the fact that they're not missing games right now, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody really cares. If they start missing spring training games and spring training is delayed and they start missing games, I think they're going to lose fans. They're going to lose money. No one's going to be happy. So no. I think I think they probably figure out a deal. Yeah. And then quickly, uh, what's going on with your Knicks? Three games skid mm. at the moment. So trying to figure out chemistry issues. Kemba Walker hasn't been working out for us. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think – for me, I start paying attention to the NBA around Christmas. Christmas Day games are a lot yeah, of fun. I like yeah. that. Yeah, they've got like what four? They yeah, they four start at, they start at noon, noon and they just go one right after another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Straight to like midnight. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine by me. It's nice to have that in the background. Um, well, that's your that's your world of sports, John. What's our main topic for today? Well, Doc, um, recently you uh, published a new book. I did. Um, just literally picked the pen up off the page and, uh, and it went to the printers. So, yeah. um, do you want, do you want to tell us what your new book you published is? Yes. So this is my commentary on Galatians in the evangelical biblical theology commentary, which that's a mouthful. It's published by Lexham press and, uh, are they calling it the EBTC? mm -hmm. They are. Okay. And uh, I actually submitted the manuscript for this back in August of 2020. Okay. So so this is your COVID baby, a little bit. <laughs> well, it was delivered during COVID, COVID okay. let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I think uh, so, something that perhaps listeners may not realize is is oftentimes the, the gap between when an author submits a manuscript and when it actually gets out. Um, if you're not writing some sort of like kind of uh, hot topic, hot take kind of book, mm-hmm. then books like this can take anywhere from nine to 15 months, maybe six to 15 months, depending on size, depending on the publisher, et cetera. Sure. Okay. Um, and 
what separates this from other commentaries on Galatians? Obviously, there's been a lot, right? Doug Moo mm-hmm. has a commentary on Galatians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a number of excellent commentaries on Galatians. What separates this one out? What what what's different? Well, I wrote it. Okay. Next question. <laughs> um, In all seriousness, um, I think when you when you look at what the series title. is, is so it's part of a series evangelical biblical theology commentary and so the focus of the commentary is on the uh, on the biblical theology the key themes and um, you know sort of Old Testament citations allusions echoes thematic parallels that inform Paul's argument in the letter and trying to uh, help the readers see those rooted in the text mm-hmm. and help them to understand um, how those inform what Paul is doing. Every commentary has to make choices about what it's going to focus on. So some commentaries will be very detailed on um, kind of the technical details of the Greek grammar. Some are focused more on application. So it's just a little bit in the actual text itself and then a lot on the kind of contemporary application uh, mine, I, I've tried to write a commentary here that is uh, that is rooted in careful exegetical study of the of the Greek New Testament, and to show how um, that is situated within the larger storyline of the Bible, mm-hmm. connected to Old Testament allusions, echoes, uh, thematic parallels, and then I think probably. The most distinctive element is going to be because of the way this series is designed, what they want you to do is you have the sort of traditional introduction where you deal with who wrote it, who was it written to, when was it written, uh, all all the sorts of important details. And then an extended kind of verse-by-verse commentary on the letter. But the last about 100 pages of this book – are treating uh, a number of key themes that are in Galatians and helping Mm. you to see how those uh, not only appear in Galatians, but how that's part of a – how they fit into the larger biblical storyline, the larger canon, so that uh, you have a better grasp of kind of the – that context in Galatians. So when you're you're reading through Galatians and you're looking at – you know, God's gift of the Spirit. There's a couple of sentences in there that might highlight this is rooted in Ezekiel 36 and other promises like this. But then in the themes section, I go into much more detail about those backgrounds so that the initial commentary isn't necessarily um, overwhelmed Hmm. by having these really long discussions of a biblical theology of the Holy Spirit. That's more in the themes, so it's sort of a Here's two or three sentences that really help you. For more, go look in the thematic section. Okay. Okay. And what are what are the themes? So like you're going to highlight one or two. Yeah, I think um, probably what's going to be. I mean, I have to highlight more than one or two. But okay, what about know, three or four? So, <laughs> so when it comes to, I mean, when people think of Galatians, they tend to think of things like justification by faith. So of sure. course, there's a section on justification and righteousness. Uh, they tend to think about uh, the Holy Spirit. You know, you have the whole fruit of the Spirit passage in Galatians sure. five. So there's a, you know there's discussions of that. 
the probably the most、uh, distinctive ones are. I have a section on the servant of the Lord. Okay, lines up with your book that、yeah. we've discussed on Pod before. Right.、Um, it it is.、Uh, Paul uses servant of the Lord imagery to, to describe his own apostolic、uh, calling, his own conversion,、mm-hmm. and he uses. Servant of the Lord language, both from Isaiah, to describe the death of Jesus. So I do a, a whole section in the thematic area on that and putting that together, and that is, of course,、um, an outworking of my dissertation way back in the Dark Ages, published in two thousand ten. Wow!、Um, Didn't realize you were publishing books. I know,、yeah. I know. But、uh, and then. Developed a little bit more in、um, my book, "The Servant of the Lord and His Servant People." So、mm-hmm. uh, you can see a lot of overlap there. The other one is in the ver- at the very end. I provide a a section discussing Paul's use of the Old Testament in Galatians,、hmm. and it concludes with a chart where I have listed out every Old Testament passage that、um, that I think Paul. Interacts with at some level in Galatians, and break it down based on、um, like citation, like a direct quote, allusion, which is、um, you know a more subtle reference, echo, even more subtle reference, and then thematic parallel. So, to my knowledge, I- I'm not aware of another chart like that on Galatians.、Hmm. I had a similar one in my dissertation, just focused on Isaiah. But this one is now more holistic, accounting for all the other Old Testament、uh, potential allusions and echoes in there as well. So that that that's something that I think is pretty distinctive. I'm I'm not aware of of another place where anyone's done that. Okay, so that that'll be something that we see potentially in other people's work going forward. I, I would I would hope so. Yeah. Okay.、Um, what uh, and and take this in in. Any way you want to.、Uh, going through Galatians, you know the book, right? You you just said you did dissertation on it. You've done other work on it. You've、mm-hmm. taught through it. You've preached ve- all the hard passages is what you get to preach usually. <laughs> yeah.、Um, any fresh takeaways in the midst of this project? Anything you went like, ah, that that seems fresh to me. That seems new.、Mm-hmm. I think、um, What what struck me the most is that a lot of my engagement with Galatians before writing the commentary was was just more focused on specific issues.、Hmm. Um, in particular, you know, the dissertation worked on Paul's use of Isaiah, and then I've done some work on the the sort of、uh, quote unquote allegory passage, the Hagar and Sarah passage,、uh, Galatians four twenty one through five one. Doing a commentary though forces you to to grapple more with the totality of all that's in Galatians、mm-hmm. and how it connects with one with with the different how all the pieces kind of fit together. And so I think that to see the extent to which Paul's、uh, mind and heart are just、um, so saturated in Scripture. That the way that he thinks, that the way that he speaks, is so、uh, immersed in it that、um, it's a it's a sobering、uh, challenge 
I think for us hmm. that uh, we should go and do likewise, that, that, that to have our thinking, our speaking, our writing, our communication, our living so utterly uh, informed by scripture. And just the fact that uh, – Paul never seemed to have lost the wonder that Christ died for him, mm. that even though he was a persecutor of the church, that, that, that God saved him, that, that Christ specifically redeemed him and mm. came to dwell inside of him. Yeah. Um, what uh, – so, so two final questions. Well, maybe three. Uh, who is the same dad? Like, like who should pick up a copy of this and – you know, crack it open. I think that anyone who um, is, um, I mean, the target is more of the the pastor, the Bible study leader, uh, the Sunday school teacher, someone who's uh, probably oriented towards preaching and teaching God's word. But I've tried to write it in such a way that even people who just want to know more about the Bible can benefit from it. Um, you know, I I gave a, an advanced copy to uh, to my sister in law, who was working, uh, who was doing a, a small group Bible study on Galatians, and um, she was able to use it with with great profit in terms of being able mm. to access it. She has no training in Greek, no formal theological education. She's a uh, a very gifted, intelligent lay reader. And so she was able to benefit from it. So I think that what I've tried to do is reserve some of the more technical discussions for the footnotes yeah. so that people who aren't as interested in the details of the Greek grammar or um, knowing what scholar thinks what on debated issues can just kind of skip over the footnotes and read the body of the commentary and benefit from it. Hmm. Um, where can people get it? Or is it available? I mean, it's pretty much available anywhere you can order books online. So Amazon, you can go directly to Lexum Press and get a copy there. I can't remember if they're still running a discount there or not. Um, Lexum is L-E-X-H-A-M Press. Lexham. Lexham, yes. Uh, and that's actually connected with Logos Bible software. So you can uh, download it. And have it integrated within their Logos Bible software. Within well. that universe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, those are some good places to look for that. And then uh, and then is this your uh, is this is this your final work or is there more to come? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Lord willing, the uh, there there are many more to come. Okay. Um I uh, I was counting the other day. This is book number 10. And Oh, I don't um, think I knew that. Yeah. Book number 10. Yep. Yep. So into the double digits. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, the podcast hits 100 episodes. Yeah. The the publishing count hits 10. So big milestones here. Do you have a Wikipedia page yet? That's that's <laughs> I do that you craft. Not. I do not. I do not. Um but I've got uh I've got book contracts for another five or six projects lined up. I won't name them all at this point, but the the next two that are on their way um, – I'll, I'll do the next three. 
Um, the next one that will come out is a short little book that will be on the theology of Second Peter and Jude. And that is slated for release in January of 23, January or February of 23. Okay. That'll be the next one. So we're going through a little drought here. It appears that I will not have anything published in the calendar year of 2022. Oh, man. Yes. What are we going to do for content here? I don't know. Oh, my I goodness. I don't know. Um, this is awful news. The the one after – then I'm writing a – this is more a, a Greek-focused work, but uh, it's doing Galatians in the exegetical Greek guide to the New Testament. So very it's very focused mm. on Greek grammar – Okay. You know, all that sort of stuff. So that's not really for a, a popular level audience. Oh, we'll still cover it on the pod. <laughs> we'll, we'll still talk it on the pod. And um, then one more is uh, I'm under contract to do a book in the short studies on biblical theology that Crossway does. Okay. On the wisdom of God. Okay. So those are the next three. Okay. And then uh, you have the mammoth project that's out there, right? Luke Acts. Mm-hmm. That that were do we have do we have a date for that? No, I mean I, I this I, decade. <laughs> yes, Lord willing, please this decade. <laughs> uh, at least Luke. Um, yeah, I, I hope our my publisher for that commentary is not listening. Um, but yeah, I, I I would like to finish the initial draft of the Luke commentary in two more years. Okay. Luke's just a massive book. It's a it's a large. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a lot of. It's a beast. Yeah, it's a beast. Anyway, uh, we will link in the show notes. We'll link uh, this at least at least on Amazon. Um, yeah. To to the book, if you want to pick it up, um, please uh, write a review about your experience with the book as well. Um, <laughs> my favorite reviews of Matt's book, which I have pitched as a podcast episode. <laughs> That Matt won't greenlight, where I read one-star reviews of his books, um, most of them having to do with package-derived yeah. damage yeah. or or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe someday. Um, I think they're funny, and I, and I just want to hear you respond uh, to, to, to some of those. So, uh, yeah. But leave, leave him a five-star review on Amazon as yes, well. Yes, that would be great. That would be very helpful. That would be very helpful. So are we ready to uh, to move on to our new segment? Our new segment today in sports history. Yeah. So uh, if you're new to the podcast, you know that – you still should probably know that we uh, – for the first 99 episodes, yep. we named part of the episode after an athlete who wore the number of the episode. Yep. And that for the most part went well. It did. We had some lean uh, – we had some lean weeks when we got into mm-hmm. some of the 60s and 70s. Like the problem – part of the problem is is that for basketball and for baseball, the numbers tend to stop typically at 50. Mm-hmm. Anyth- you know, anything beyond that is kind of a, a one-off or unusual. So that just left this large <laughs> section of offensive and defensive linemen from the NFL at some point. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we moved on from that, and now we're doing a uh, This Day in Sports History. So this episode will drop on December 7th, and there were a bunch. I, I just – any of those three that you want – should I read all three, you think, or – Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Read, read all three. There you go. So in 1937, the Red Sox acquired the contract of 19-year-old Ted Williams. That's fascinating. Do you remember his nickname? 
I don't think so. No. What was I think it was the Splendid Splinter. I, I, that was not something that was running through my head. So yeah. Um, and then 1939, Lou Gehrig was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. And a recent one, just last year in 2020, breaking the competitive form of break dancing was confirmed as an Olympic sport for the Paris 2024 Games. That will not be one I'm watching. Really? De- depends if it's on. <laughs> I might turn it on just just to see what on earth is happening um, in 2024. But how, how do you – judge that i don't know but we have uh, a friend whose sibling has done this we have a friend whose sibling has com- has competed in break dancing like yeah has gone to competitions and and competed in it not not at the olympic level or or on that sort but has gone to like will break dance against another person I don't know who this is i'll tell you after pot <laughs> okay i mean this I mean, you've got we've got what three years. I mean, it's, my guess is I, I would think the field's pretty wide open, right? For for you and I to compete for anyone, I this is not for me. Well, this me, is either. Not. <laughs> me either. Me <laughs> either. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. I mean, some of these choices of Olympic sports just seem strange. Uh, yeah, the the walking one where race walking. Yeah, where you, your foot always has to be in contact with the ground. Now be careful because I have a a a race walker in my extended family, my wife's extended family history, who competed in the Olympics. I thought it was just in an Olympic sport a couple of years ago. No, 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 like two or three Olympics no, ago. No, that's no, it's been around a while. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the walking gets me. <laughs> Um, Just the stride they have because they have to keep the the, the foot on the ground at mm-hmm. all times. So much torque in, the, yeah. in those strides, and they have judges who are like mm-hmm. watching, like, "Oh, that's a violation." If you and what I think you get, like, if you get two or three, like they they can disqualify you because you're actually running. Yeah, yeah. I'm now, trying to think what else what else is in the Olympics. Now, now think of a sport. Uh, we'll use that term loosely. Okay, th- where. You're actually penalized for going too fast where, where, where there's actual built-in limits of like, no, you can't go faster than this. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's wild. Uh, Three-on-three basketball was also a weird one for me in this most recent Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll have to watch – You know, I don't want to get geopolitical on here, on here but uh, a lot of talk about the Olympic Games in China right now. This is the uh, the winter, the winter twenty twenty two in February. Yeah, right? coming up, coming up soon. Yeah, a lot of talk about China, politically speaking. Yeah, yeah. Whether uh, have you heard any whispers of uh, boycotts? I've heard people propose it, but I'm not aware that there's any real serious momentum for like the I, U.S. boycotting. I don't think it. so. I don't think they will. Yeah, um, we didn't boycott in what was it thirty eight. When it was in with Berlin, Hitler? With, when it was in Germany, when it was in Germany. <laughs> well, maybe we've learned our lesson since then. I don't. Maybe know. we <laughs> should. I I did hear that argument on a podcast. Like we should have boycotted in '38. Let's boycott now. You know, it's just like wow, that's a that's a that's a bold <laughs> take. <laughs> yeah, it's a bold take. Well, the the didn't the was it the Soviets that boycotted in '84 when it was here in the U.S. in Los Angeles? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. And I th- did we. 
We might have boycotted the summer in, in 80. Was there one in eight? The, the, Moscow? Where, where was I, it? I don't know where it was. I don't think it was in Moscow. But I know it wasn't the Winter Olympics. Cause, but, but the Winter Olympics happened that year because that's the year that the U.S. beat the Soviet Union in hockey, which was like the, you know, the great, oh, yeah, the great yeah. upset. By the way, did you see Bob Costas on China this last week? Yeah, did he came out and basically criticized the IOC? Yeah, yeah. We we've we've gone into different waters now. All right, let's let's pick an event here and let's move on. <laughs> um, I how do you, I, I'm leaning towards breakdancing. Oh, I was leaning towards Ted Williams. I, I I'm fine with that. You okay. go Ted Williams. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can go Ted Williams. I mean. Let's do it. I don't think breakdancing is necessarily a sport. I agree. Okay. One thing we liked. Uh, this last week, I hosted, or I was part of hosting Back in Five. Have you heard of this? I'm, I, yeah, I'm very familiar. So it's our improv group on campus where um, I show up, I read cue cards, and then I participate in a game uh, with, with our campus improv group. So I did this with another faculty member on campus and- had a lot of fun. It didn't start till eleven o'clock at night, though. I was going to ask, how did you manage to stay up that late? How much uh, coffee did you have to drink? To I stay had up? one espresso <laughs> at ten o'clock. Okay, and you don't live close to campus, so you probably. I mean, I had to drive home. Yeah, you probably didn't get home till twelve thirty. Okay. Yeah. All right. It wasn't too terrible. All right. But it was just a lot of fun. I played the game sound effects. So me and the other host each had our own microphone, and we had to make sound effects for the people acting things out on stage. It was okay. it was a lot of fun. I mean, you, you you have a history of participating in this event. Yeah, this is like my fourth or fifth year in a row of of doing. I've done the Christmas show a few times. I've done the Halloween show. I've done the first show before. Yeah, it's a good time. It's nerve wracking up there. Are are you expected to be funny? Um. I try to make fun of the improv people. I try to make quips. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's about it. Other than that, I try to keep things moving and I try to timing the ending of the game because you want it to end on a high note, but you don't want to end so early that, well, there was more here that we yeah. could have done, you know, but you, you need to find that happy medium. Gotcha. So, but that's a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Did you ever watch, um, Whose line is it anyway? Yeah, that's basically what it is. That's yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, I field things from the audience, like yeah. okay, give me an occupation. And yes, most of them are terrible. You know, <laughs> it takes like a good. All right, come on, guys, think of something better. Was uh, w- was there a significant line to get in? Yeah, I would say there's probably oh between two fifty and three hundred there, because I, I know that for past events. Um, Students have lined up a couple hours before the doors even open to yeah, get in. So this one was in McLean, not in Little Theater. When it's okay. in Little Theater on campus, there's there's usually a long line because that okay. can only hold 150, 200 people, something like that. Got you. All right. So for me, um, I'm going to go with some uh, Jane Harper novels. Okay. She's an uh, she's an author who has written uh, several novels about uh, sort of like mystery thriller kind of novels set in the Australian outback. Okay. And um, – Do you have to know the geography to nope. understand? Okay. Nope. Okay. Nope. Not at all. So 
good character development. Hmm. So Jane Harper. Uh, there are three of them. The ones that I've read are all on Scribd. So love Scribd. Love Scribd. Very very appreciative of of that. So there you go. So we have talked uh, sports. We've talked Galatians commentary. We've talked about breakdancing as a competitive, so-called competitive sport, mm-hmm. and still gone with Ted Williams, which was the right call. We've talked about John Sloat's budding career in comedy. It's there. Yeah. 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 And uh, various and sundry other things. We talked a lot about the IOC as well and <laughs> geopolitics. <laughs> yes, and about the, pol- the possibility of a uh, of a boycott. Yeah. 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 And we didn't even mention COVID. Like, is COVID going to have this big impact? On oh, yeah. In China, probably not. Because COVID probably doesn't exist in, in China, right? I mean, <laughs> definitely does. See, I went um, there. I went there. You you cracked the door with the IOC in China, and I just rushed right in there. Well, we're going to have to cover it if, if any countries, you know, say, we're not coming. Yeah. I guess we will. I guess we will. We're gonna we're gonna have to cover it. Yeah, uh, we I on mean, location. We were out in front of the COVID story to begin with, so we feel some obligation to probably keep tabs on it at some basic level. Yeah, without inundating you with Numbers. a subject that you're utterly sick of. So, yep. In any case, I think we're ready to call mission accomplished. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, as you're fighting off the yawns over there, we should probably wrap it up. So oh, yeah, uh, I guess. What that means is all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.